0: I greet you in the high and holy name of Jesus Christ our crucified and risen Lord when I arrived here on this rainy Sunday morning I was uh, I brought along my purple stole because historically in the Methodist church purple was the color for advent and then I saw this blue and I figured that uh Pastor Jeff was honoring his beloved University of Kentucky, (laughs) the big blue. But then one of our staff here explained it to me. Um, He has a Lutheran heritage. And he said in the Lutheran church, blue has always been the color for Advent. And we Methodists owe a lot to the Lutherans' heritage and to Martin Luther. And since all of the Balknite ancestors were Lutheran, Until one of them was tampered with by a Methodist evangelist. (laughs) I gladly accept blue as the color for Advent. Our scripture for the morning is uh, from Matthew chapter 1. It's the description of the birth of Jesus from the perspective of Father Joseph. Uh, Beginning with verse 18. If you're able, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. An engagement was um, a legal uh, contract and could only be broken by divorce. But after uh, Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. For the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated and let us pray. Take my lips and speak through them. Take our thoughts and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Unless you speak, nothing of significance will be spoken. Give us your word, Lord Jesus. Amen. Naming a new baby is a challenging process. I don't know if it's happened in your family recently, but it's hard to please everybody in the family with the name. Uh, Dad Dad likes some alliteration in the name because he's thinking about a sports report and how good that would sound Sammy Sosa or Johnny Justice now mom has a different idea she wants a fashionable name and no abbreviations she likes Catherine Benjamin Sarah Grace and then there's grandpa and grandpa wants to pull back one of those names from the past, great family names, Horatio, <laughs> Ruben, Alonzo. It, it's a miracle of diplomacy that the family can come together and ever come up with the right name. And once the name is selected, there's a certain fascination about the name. Uh, there was a, one day a hospital nurse uh, retrieved a bit of doodling Uh, from uh, one of the waiting rooms labor and delivery section of the hospital and evidently a new baby was on the way but the baby had decided to wait a while before bursting into the world there was a delay and the father had to sit out there and wait a while in in the waiting room and uh, he was daydreaming about the baby to be born and this is what he wrote john paul jones J. Paul Jones, John P. Jones, the Reverend John P. Jones, Dr. J. P. Jones, the Honorable J. Paul Jones, Senator John Jones, President John Jones, all the way with J. P. J., What if the baby turned out to be Juanita Pauline Jones? (laughs) Now, Mary and Joseph did not face the hassle of coming up with a name for their baby because God Almighty decided that for them. And he informed them by way of an angel. I want you to join me by way of imagination in the village of Nazareth, just about six months before Jesus was born. Joseph, a young carpenter, is deeply troubled. Because his fiance has told him that she's pregnant and he knows he's not responsible. She says it's the work of the Holy Spirit. But he's a down-to-earth, blue-collar carpenter. He's not prone to believe in visions or angels. So he doesn't believe her. He's afraid she's been raped by, maybe by one of these hated Roman soldiers. And she's afraid to tell him for fear that he'll do something drastic and get himself killed. But since she sticks with her story. Refuses to be budged from it. He's decided to, to go ahead and terminate the engagement relationship by way of a divorce. Um, so as to save the two of them from some public disgrace. And then just, just let the gossips talk. And so with those troubling thoughts in his mind, he falls into a troubled sleep. And an angel comes to him and said, Joseph, she's telling you the truth, brother. She's telling you the truth. Now, go ahead and end this engagement deal right now. Take her home and marry her. And then just let the gossips talk. The angel revealed other very important things. The name of the new baby. And his title, the angel said, You shall name him Jesus. And his title shall be one predicted by Isaiah the prophet 800 years earlier, Emmanuel. The name and the title reveal the breathtaking essence of Christmas. First, in verse 21, we read, You are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is a Greek name. It's a translation of the Hebrew Joshua. You remember Joshua, such an important figure. Led the children of Israel into the promised land. And the word Joshua means literally Jehovah is salvation. So the very name Jesus means God is sending salvation. Uh, His very name highlights the most important mission uh, of his life. That is to save us sinners from sin and reconcile us to a holy God. Only one task at the top of his agenda. Save sinners. Jesus was the only baby in all of history to be born for the purpose of dying. A shadow of the cross fell across his manger why was his death necessary because all of us have a spiritual virus that is eternally lethal and it's called sin and the symptoms are everywhere you look divorce drug and alcohol abuse child neglect war lying stealing racism family friction money worship and unless the sin virus is cured it will increasingly wreck our lives in this world and separate us from God Almighty forever. Many years ago, the newspaper in London, London Daily News, on the front page posted a question and invited responses. The question is What's wrong with the world? What's wrong with the world? And the great Christian writer and thinker, G.K. Chesterton, responded with just two words What's wrong with the world? I am, he said, I am. And every one of us could respond in the same way. It's my anger, my lust, my pride, my grudges, my prejudice, my jealousy, my greed. And the list goes on and on. Why is America such a troubled and polarized nation this Christmas season? Because many Americans evaluate their fellow citizens solely on the basis of either their skin color or their politics. And both of those are divisive. Instead of seeing every fellow citizen as a precious creation made in the image of God and designed to become our brother and sister. Why, why do we, why do we miss that and fall for the divisive tactics of politicians and others? The reason is sin. It affects all of us. And I can't fix my sin problem. You can't fix yours. And even if we have all the money of Elon Musk, or even if we earn three PhD degrees, even if we work night and day for Habitat for Humanity, or even the church, we cannot earn a fix. We can't fix our problem. We can't provide our own cure. We need a Savior. Because the sin problem is so pervasive and the results so awful, the cure must be quite expensive. That makes sense. Have you ever thought that the value of a drug prescribed by your doctor all depends on the seriousness of the illness it is designed to treat? Aspirin is cheap. Why? About the only thing it can do is cure a mild headache or a minor pain. On the other hand, those so called miracle drugs are terribly expensive because they are designed to treat a life threatening illness. Nothing is more life threatening than sin because it can wreck our lives in this world and separate us from God Almighty forever. And therefore, it makes sense that if there were a cure, it would be the most expensive in history. It was. It caused the death of the Son of God on the cross. How do we receive the cure? Oh, it's so clear and so simple. We just confess that you're a sinner. Admit it to God. Repent of it. Believe that when he went to that cross, your name was written there. He paid your penalty. And you're so grateful, you invite him to be the Lord of your life. And then you're cured. You're cured. Now, the devil is not happy because the cure is so free and so available. So, the devil, who is a smart salesman, he whispers in our ears. And he says, come on, man. You don't need to be saved and changed. You're pretty good. I mean, think about you. You're worshiping today. Think about all those pagans out there. You know you're better than them. And come on, you do a lot of good stuff. You give to the Salvation Army. You haven't broken any laws lately, except speeding. You're a pretty good person compared to most. You don't need to be saved. You don't need to be changed, improved maybe. But changed, no, you're better than that. Now, we preachers, we love to proclaim the good news. We do. About the love of God. Yeah. But people cannot hear the good news properly unless they first hear the bad news. A person has to face up to his or her sin before they will sense a need for a Savior. Jesus didn't come to say to us, you're okay. Uh-uh. He came to save sinners. Uh, That pioneer Methodist bishop, Francis Asbury, uh, once spoke to his Methodist preachers and he gave them this command, preach as if you had seen the glories of heaven and have heard the angels sing, but also as if you've hovered over the bottomless pit of hell and heard the groans of the damned. Do some of you remember that prolific writer and humorist from Georgia named Louis Grizzard? Uh, Lewis grew up in Moreland Methodist Church in Moreland, Georgia. And after he was grown up and successful, he said, I think with uh, tongue in cheek, that he was looking for three people who would make his life complete. First, he wanted to find a doctor who would tell him it's okay to smoke. Because Lewis loved cigarettes as mo- almost as much as he loved the Georgia Bulldogs. Second, he was looking for an accountant, he said, who would tell him that 2 plus 2 equals four, five, six, or whatever he wanted it to, to equal. He said that would help him on his tax returns. But then Lewis said he was looking for a third person. He wanted to find a preacher who would say that it doesn't matter what you believe or what you do, everybody is going to heaven anyway. And Lewis said, I found the guy. He was preaching on TV. And Lewis said, but I knew he was lying because from my earliest years, I had heard the truth at Moreland Methodist Church. Now, what was that truth he learned at Moreland Methodist Church? He learned that every person is a sinner, a rebel against the Holy God. And only when I face up to my sin uh, can I understand how desperately I need a Savior. And only then am I ready to receive the Savior born in the manger. And so my question for us today is, have, have you faced up to your sin? Have you received the Savior by faith? And if so, are you sharing Him with anybody? Mark Lowry and Buddy Green wrote a modern christmas carol that has become a classic entitled mary did you know and the song asked mary mary did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new this child that you delivered will soon deliver you Saving our eternal souls was Jesus' primary mission. And so the first word used to describe him was Savior. Now there's a second name or title that God gave us for his holy child. Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The title Emmanuel tells us first that Jesus was authentically human. He was not a superman with x-ray eyes. He was as human as you and I. He experienced loneliness and illness and anger. He laughed, he played, he swam, he caught fish, he built tables, he attended parties. He was tempted. He wept and felt despair. Now, why is that important? Because you see, if Jesus experienced everything that we experience, highs and lows, then we know he thoroughly understands us. Jesus was the only person in history who did not need to be baptized. He was without sin. He didn't need to be cleansed. And yet, he invited John the Baptist to baptize him. Why? As his way of identifying with us sinners. As showing that he was Emmanuel, God with us. The great Christian writer Max Lucado tells about a neighbor of his who was trying to teach his six-year-old son how to shoot a basketball they were out on the basketball court and the father uh, was showing the fine points how to flex your knees how to shoot how to follow through and the father was making a shot one shot after another he kept saying how easy it was and that little fella was having trouble uh, even with both hands he, he couldn't get the ball up high high enough for that 10-foot goal uh, father kept saying how easy, it was, how easy it was and finally the frustrated little boy said it may be easy for you up there but you don't understand how hard it is down here we can never say that to God Almighty oh no he understands how hard it is down here he has been down here he's walked where we walk he suffered what we suffer he was tempted as we are He is Emmanuel, God with us. And that means when our hearts are broken because somebody we trusted let us down, our Lord has been there. In his greatest hour of need, all his disciples uh, ran, just betrayed him, fled. Uh, When death snatches from us somebody more precious than our own life, our Lord has been there. Uh, he wept beside the tomb of, uh, of his friend Lazarus. When we are tempted so severely that the power of the temptation almost makes us tremble, our Lord has been there. For 40 days in the wilderness, the devil badgered our Lord. And when life makes no sense, And when we can't seem to find God anywhere and we're right on the edge of despair, our Lord has been there. Because hanging on a cross in agony, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, we we can never say truthfully, God does not understand. Jesus was God in human form. He paid history's highest rent for the costly privilege of living not only does he understand us, he's always with us. You and I will never have to face anything alone, not even death, because Jesus is Emmanuel. Back during the Iraq War, a soldier was preparing to be part of a convoy uh, moving down what was called Route Irish a contested road just outside Baghdad, reputed to be one of the most dangerous stretches of highway in the world. And a chaplain spoke to that soldier and said, Son, uh, how can I help you? How can I minister to you? And that soldier, without taking his eye off the road, he said, I'll tell you what I want, chaplain. I'll tell you what I want. I want to know that Jesus is in my Humvee. I want to know that Jesus is in my Humvee. And that chaplain was able to say, Son, I guarantee you that Jesus is in your Humvee because he is Emmanuel, God with us, even on the route Irish. Over a hundred years ago, Father Damien de Vuster, a Belgium priest, uh, felt called to go to this Pacific Island near Hawaii where there was a leper colony to minister to the lepers and uh, he did great work there he found a source of good water in the mountains there and, and supervised the construction of an aqueduct to bring the water down to the colony he, he uh, oversaw the construction of a health clinic a sanitation system And then he and the lepers together built a chapel where they had worship every Sunday. And before Father Damien would preach, he would always say, God loves you lepers. And this went on for years. And finally, one Sunday, he began his sermon with a different way. He said, God loves us lepers. Uh, Father Damien had contracted leprosy. And yet he went on loving and serving those lepers until his death in 1898. Even as Father Damien cast his lot with the lepers, Jesus Emmanuel invested us himself totally with us sinners. He did not become a sinner, but he took our sin upon himself. As the prophet Isaiah described him, he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Oh, how we preachers strain to find words expressive enough to describe how great Jesus is. Someone has written these words about our Lord. Though he was born in poverty to a humble teenager... Wise men brought treasures and placed them beside his manger crib. He was cradled in a borrowed crib, sailed in someone else's boat, rode on somebody else's donkey, was buried in somebody else's tomb. And yet to him belong all the unsearchable riches of glory. King Herod could not kill him. Satan could not seduce him. Death could not destroy him, and the grave could not hold him. Happy birthday, Jesus, Savior, and Emmanuel. And all of God's children said, Amen.